Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. This is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And this month we're talking to you live, not from a campground, not from our at-home studio, but from the Tampa Super Show, where we are plopped down in the middle of a field field. along with thousands of others of you. And we can hear the big generators in the background keeping us supplied with electricity so that we can heat the RV. God bless them. God bless them. It's very cool how they do this. They have a big field, which probably is a parking lot. Oh, no, it's a truck... uh, it's a truck driving, driving school. school. <laughs> it seems strange. Um, and we're parked in the infield, and they have uh, these big, giant generators, each one servicing about 20 or 30 motorhomes or fifth wheels or RVs. And you plug in, and they keep these things running 24 hours a day, so it's just like being plugged into the, into the normal grid. But there must be 10 or 12 of these generators out there. Clanging away, making the uh, making the electricity for all of us, but it's only thirty amp. And of course, Mrs. RV Navigator has a little problem with thirty amp. <laughs> oh, for the days! Well, it's hard to cook when the heat pump is on because then I don't have any power left for the microwave or the coffee maker or anything else. So we're just going out to and, eat. And Poor we, us. And we can only run one heat pump. Oh, my. It's been end. cold. I've needed yeah. more than one heat pump. So what's happened in Florida? Well, we came north and the cold front came south and here we are. <laughs> Ooh. But uh, our trip south this year was actually pretty good. It was so boringly uneventful. I <sighs> loved <Boring>. it. <laughs> no ice storms, no snow drifts. Just a little chill on the way out, but I was able to actually dewinterize it before we left. And because our basement is heated, we can uh, actually run with uh, the temperatures below zero. But it was in the teens when we left home. And and it was pretty cold till we got south of Atlanta. Yeah, but we were able to sleep in it all the nights. Whereas last year we had to uh, sleep in it without any water. Water. Yeah. And we dare not complain because yes. we do watch the weather forecasts every day, and we know how the rest of the country is suffering. So. Oh, we want you to feel so bad for us so no as emails. you sit there in the cold north and wishing you were RVing down here in Florida. Uh, but it is, we, well, we're doing this on your behalf, and we know that uh, it's cold up there, but we, we want to give you a little bit of uh, the feeling of, of RVing in the warm weather just to keep your, your juices flowing so that you don't forget about going out and RVing. And we're here doing research on your behalf. That's right. That's exactly right. Our whole purpose is to do research. But uh, we headed down to Florida without really a, a lot of plant for the beginning. And we ended up in Lake Worth in the Palm Beach area, which is a very lovely area from what we saw of it. Uh, We stayed at a county park that was enormous and very quiet and contained mostly uh, people who were going to stay for a much longer time than we did and then had some very desirable lakefront sites for people who popped in and out. If you followed our podcast for a while, you know that we have been to Florida before and have been stunned by the prices of campgrounds, and that hasn't changed, really. So doing research back home, um, I found this nice county park um, called the John Prince County Park, and it's in Lake Worth, uh, Florida, and it has uh, full hookups with the lakeside 
campsite, and it has uh, a, a fee of only about $30 a day. Which in Florida is a bargain. A super bargain. Oh. And this is very nicely located, um, 10 minutes or less from the ocean. And because it's on a lake, you kind of have this nice view. And they reserve all of the lake sites for transients, which is really very nice. So we got a really quite a nice site. But we did have to make a reservation in advance. But how would you say characterize the overall fullness? Nearly full, but not totally full. And yeah. a lot of Canadians, mm-hmm. Quebecers and some Ontarians. <laughs> Welcome. Um, and certainly as their dollar is stronger than ours at the moment, it makes perfect sense for them to be down here enjoying the sunshine with us. Indeed, because if it's cold up in the United States, it's even colder in Canada. We know that. And something else I liked about that area was um, being urban animals, or at least suburban animals. I like to know that if if it's a rainy day, there's a movie theater nearby. And yeah. when I go to the grocery store, I want it to be a big grocery store where I have lots of choices. And that area is very urbanized and developed. So it, it certainly fit the bill for us. Yeah, and I think if you want to keep your, your prices down, that uh, the state parks are certainly a viable option. Um, they have very nice state parks, and most have water and electricity, and many even have 50 amp and these county parks which are very popular in florida i mean this is not the first one we've mentioned DeSoto earlier uh, which is on the other side on the gulf side uh, which we've stayed at and uh, they're very nice parks and uh, quite reasonably priced which is surprising um, and if you're a resident you even get a, di- a bigger discount now why would you go camping in of Florida? Course, of course, the guy who was camped next to us was from Orlando. Right. He, he hadn't come too far. <laughs> because the camping lifestyle is appealing. You, yeah. you get away from it all when you Is that are, what it is? I think so. So even coming from the 200 miles from Orlando or the 150 from Orlando to Palm Beach is a yeah. vacation? Yeah, it's an escape. Because uh, he didn't have kids. No. So this was just he and his wife. But in their case, they were trying out their brand new rig. Which is another reason. Their Winnebago Adventure, which they just bought. So it's nice to see people actually buying RVs. This was their first trip, and it was all shiny and new. And it's nice to see people out buying RVs, too. No little dings. They put us to shame. So we stayed for eight nights there, maximum two weeks. And and if you go on the interior sites, sites, you can stay for six months. So we went from there to... Tampa. Tampa. And we are here at the Super Show. We've come to a, a number of trade shows over the years, yes. and, and I'm beginning to understand, as I didn't initially, that each one has its own personality. Yeah. Um, the one we went to in Nashville most recently um, was far heavier on seminars. Uh, there were things for sale there and rigs for sale there, but the primary purpose in my mind of going to that one was to learn new stuff. Where this one, uh, clearly the emphasis is on uh, buying a new RV or researching uh-huh, what uh-huh. all is available. They've moved a huge quantity of uh, new rigs from, from many dealers near and far to this uh, centralized area. And certainly if you're shopping and trying to get an idea of what kind of rig would work for you they're all here and so this is a perfect place to come for that sort of thing there are also two um, enclosed buildings that sell what i call stuff that an rvr <laughs> needs and certainly you we always the gizmos and gadgets <laughs> we always manage to find something new to buy when we go into those stuff buildings uh, but that's not the primary emphasis i don't think here either uh-huh. 
Yes, I would agree. This is a selling show. They have 1,200 RVs, which takes up a huge amount of space, and uh, obviously most of it is outdoors, uh, so it depends on the good weather, which is typical of Tampa. But uh, people come from all over to look at the RVs and to make buying decisions, and I think they have very good deals here, although that's not really our primary purpose in being here. So why are we here? Well, I, I have gotten the impression that we are here to meet some of our wonderful um, podcast <laughs> listeners. It's been because amazing. We've, this is our third day here, and we've really hardly scratched the surface of what's at the show because we keep running into wonderful listeners. this has listeners been amazing and wonderful, yes. Who track us down. Sometimes they see us from afar and recognize our faces. It's quite disconcerting, um, but gratifying. We've had a chance to meet some people that we um, were only knowing before in an email sort of relationship, and we're thrilled to see you here. This seems to be yes. a, a gathering point for our viewers. And that's, and that's important, too. And we've really enjoyed that. So yes. thanks for, for, for tracking keeping us in touch with, And keeping in touch with us. And we can't mention everybody's name, but it is nice to see, to, to hear from you and to uh, to meet you in person. And people seem to be interested in talking to us, too, but I have no idea why. <laughs> but we will continue to chat with you as long as you care to, to chat with us, and that's what keeps the podcast going. We want to make the contact information known. And if you want to send us an email, you'll send it to navigator at rvnavigator.com. And, of course, visit the website at rvnavigator.com. We always forget to say that. So but, in, in our limited exposure to the show, as much as we've seen, uh, we definitely have gotten some impressions. Um, overall, we want to say that the things, the optimistic articles that we've been reading about the RV industry um, pulling itself out of that deep hole that it fell into in 2008 seems to be confirmed by what we're seeing here. Yes. Uh, we feel a real optimism and a real energy. And, Lots of people. And the manufacturers are working very hard to innovate to try to meet uh, various kinds of RVers' needs, not just the traditional uh, rig where you sleep in it and you eat in it and you spend a weekend or more than a weekend right. um, traveling around. So they're they're coming up with what I would call more um, multi-purpose type of vehicles, which are very interesting to see. And just as an aside, uh, we have in the campground here, it seems like it, the campground itself is full, whereas the last time we were here, it did not seem to be full. So that's another indication that the show is uh, becoming more and more popular. I don't think I see any spare places to, to camp. Yeah, Just which a few. Is, yeah, which is uh, very heartening to see. As she says, we have a niche kind of situation. It seems like the RV industry is segmenting, segmenting itself into various niche markets. And certainly, overall, we're seeing a much um, more economical vehicle, more commonly available in the Class A front. They're smaller, um, but ever more efficient and ever more crafty and squeezing everything inside the rig that you think you need to have. And in the niche market, we're seeing uh, a lot more what I would call tailgating type Tail, of oh, RVs yeah. uh, that you can sleep in and can cook in, but they have a lot of outdoor serving areas and outdoor sinks and fridges and, and, and TVs. And to the extent that there was what was, I'll put the link up in a picture, but there was a trailer that was about teardrop size. Just tiny. It was, it was very small, less than 20 feet, I would say. And it had a sleeping area on the inside. But on the back, I thought when we walked up to it that it was a it was the kitchen. But in fact, it was the tailgating area. And so you open up the back of this trailer. It was rounded, so the, the, 
the cover kind of flips up, and inside are bins for holding ice to put your coolers and drinks. And, drinks and, then and a, a sink. And but, a sink. But nowhere yes. to heat anything. No. So it was a strictly a small tailgating uh, trailer, which sounds cool. I mean, it was sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars, and you know you could sleep in it, uh, but you could also have all your friends around and and do the tailgating thing. And the other thing we saw, I think, more than we've seen yes. before, are toy haulers. That's mm-hmm. certainly not a, a new invention, but uh, the various kinds and the various uh, flexible floor plans that they're coming up with. Clearly, this is a market that they expect to um, be growing and meeting those people's needs. Yeah, we see this huge shift in A, B, and C class RVs. I mean, before we were, you were going down the road and you'd say, "Oh, there's a class C, or there's a class B, and there's a class A," and it was pretty clear what they are. But now they have, uh, <laughs> well, they're having a hard time finding names for everything. You've probably heard the name Super C, B+. Now we have a new one called Ace, the Bs. Uh, they're just uh, a huge variety of different RVs without any real classification. Kind of hybrids of the best of both, maybe? We found the the Ace, which is Class A, Class C, and uh, something else combined. It has sleep over the cab, but it looks like a it looks like a Class A. And then we found another one that has a Murphy bed. Oh, that was very clever. Very the, burf- clever. the Murphy bed was in the slide. This was a Class B. And the slide came out, and the bed came down over the chairs. Well, yes, that was very interesting. Which we'll also show you a came picture down. of this, but the this the yes, the chairs folded flat. And then the bed came down from the wall over, over the them. chair. So the chairs were not part of the bed, but they were the under underneath it. This Very is clever. hard to describe. Very but clever. that's, you know, the bed is such a huge area. That, that you only use for yeah, a third of the time. Yeah, and this, so you push a button and the... The bed comes down when you're ready to sleep, and that seemed like a, a really a very interesting idea. Um, and I'll try to put links to all these on the website uh, so that you can see them and some pictures because it's <laughs> if they didn't have a video, we wouldn't have even standing right there looking at it. We wouldn't know how it worked. We wouldn't have known what we were looking at. And another trend we saw a lot was what we would call sleeping for large groups of yes. people. This is the first time I remember seeing uh, triple-tiered bunk beds. And in that particular rig, there were two bedrooms, and you could sleep eight to ten people um certainly those people in a, a smallish rv would have to be fond of each other but um for people with large families or large groups that want to do a nice weekend trip together because yeah. when you have that many people you don't have a lot of storage space yeah and i'm not sure it was all adults but it's a specialized niche yeah yeah exactly meeting a need and of course coming to a show like this you can have all sorts of things done which uh i think we appreciate as we were driving here unfortunately we took a stone in the driver's side windshield i didn't even really realize until we actually got parked here, but when we got out and looked at the front of the RV uh, on the windshield, there was a nice long uh, crack. Uh, and you've listened to the podcast for long enough to know that I'm pretty much I'm pretty skilled now at, at fixing the chips that occur in the windshield. This was though an actual crack that had started to uh, you know spider, so that requires replacement of the windshield, which is a daunting task a to bummer. say the least. I, after I noticed this, literally, we're walking down the the row of RVs to go back toward to the, the sh- display area. Toward the display area, because we had remembered that there was a glass replacement place there, and 
We ran into the glass replacement guy. <laughs> in his truck, looking for business. It looked like he was working 24-7 out here replacing windshields for other people who had yeah. gotten cracks. And he told us exactly what to do and who to call and how the insurance like works. Amazing. It was click, click, click. And now we're just waiting for him to show up and replace our window. It's going to take 45 minutes and really no uh, effort on our part to get it replaced because he's going to come to our rig and you know at other times of the year if this had happened you know you'd probably have to go there and and they would uh, you know you'd have to get it estimated and then blah 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 this is not a dangerous crack uh, and it doesn't certainly doesn't keep us from driving but it is much better that they can just come here <laughs> take 45 minutes to replace it and the guys are skilled and we were we watched them uh, replace one and i think we mentioned this when we were at the at the show in Louisville, we had the generator serviced. You know, all these types of things can be handled right on site. You want awnings installed? No problem. You want uh, furniture? No problem. You want this or that done to your coach? As long as it can be done in a, you know, in a few hours, it's uh, very feasible to have it done here at a show. And you have selection. And it's efficient for them and for us. And they're giving us, uh, surprisingly enough, a fairly big discount so that it's got to kind of going to kind of offset the deductible, deductible on the insurance. Yeah, and when we call the insurance to, to make the claim, uh, they actually recommended the company who's here doing it as the their primary source for having windshields replaced. So that made us So if it had too. to happen, this was the place to have it happen. Yeah, we were not expecting it, certainly, but yes, if it had to happen, we should have done it. And also on our trip south, we noticed that our brake buddy was no longer our brake buddy because it wasn't <laughs> doing anything. For non- Class A people, the brake buddy is the unit in the car that applies the car's brakes when the motorhome's brake is applied. And it's the law, so you've got to have one. Yes, you have to have brakes on anything over 1,500 pounds, which of course includes virtually all cars. So when you see a car being towed, it has a braking system. And there are a number of different ones and. Uh, we kind of bought the one that was most common, and that was a brand name called Brake Buddy. But as she said, uh, we have been suspicious that it hasn't been working, and indeed we found out that it wasn't working anymore because it's pretty much died. And so here again we found um, more than one vendor. Um, yes. We made a selection, and interestingly enough, they gave us a discount for trading <laughs> no, in trading yes, our Brake Buddy, who was no longer our buddy, and delivered the new unit to our rig and, and gave took us the old instructions one away. And uh, you couldn't ask for better service. And that was only being offered by the factory. Uh, a dealer wouldn't be able to offer us the, uh, trade the, in. the trade-in. So that was a, a big savings because that's a fairly expensive little gizmo to replace. And you shouldn't have to replace it. We're disappointed. We're disappointed. In our buddy. Yeah, so, so much for Brake Buddy. Um, other gizmos and gadgets. We haven't really found a lot. You bought you bought a portable satellite dish. I bought a portable satellite dish, which I threatened to buy last time, but I was overruled. Now we have a portable, but it's still in the box. We, we've been here such a short time that we've talked to so many people and, and done so many things that I haven't had a chance to get out and play. You have the rest of the And, winter. of course, we have two unannounced products that we can't talk about that will be talked about in future RV shows. My lips are but sealed. But there are some cool things coming down the road here, but... Our lips are sealed. So stay tuned to your RV navigators for the latest in technology. I would like to get out of there. No, no, no. You promised. 
please. Okay. Have you guys heard enough about the RV show? They have not heard enough about the RV show. We also saw there's a huge number of electric bicycles here, which seems strange to me. We've always seen them. They've had these the scooters, but there is one out now that it looks like a regular bicycle, and the motor is in the hub, and it uses a, a fairly small lithium-ion pack on the back. And I would think the whole thing is not not much heavier than a regular bike. He said it's an all-aluminum frame. Why would I want that? I ride my bike for exercise. Some people ride their bike for transportation. Okay. Maybe when they, I'm, he said it will go 20 miles. Maybe when I'm older. You would like to have a, an no, electric? Well, no. It, it had a chain so that, you could, so that you can pedal if you want to. But the motor on there would make it much heavier than the bike I have uh, now. Well, I picked it up. It didn't seem like it was much heavier. Mm-mm. It didn't fold up like your bike. Mm-mm. So I can't have one because I'm... You're not old enough. I'll tell old. you when you're old oh, enough. But it's cool. Indeed. That's not good enough? So if you're shopping for an, uh, a bike, you might want to take a look at these. And uh, Once again, I will put them on the website so that you can see. I haven't had a chance to, to get all the links together, so... We're, We're doing, doing the best we can. We're doing this the best we can. This twice a month stuff is pressure. Pressure. We're taking valuable time out of the show to talk to our listeners. No, we'd like to talk to our listeners. And, and we, you, we, we appreciate the feedback. And you can only climb in and out of rigs for so many hours before the knees fail and the mind wanders. That's why you need a bike. See, now if we had electric bikes right here, we could just zip right off to the show because we have to now walk about three blocks to get it's there. It's the climbing in and out. So I guess I'm not going to get a bike, electric bike in the future. And I think the other issue is uh, something that we see overall in the trend, and that's uh, lithium-ion batteries. For the first time, I saw lithium-ion batteries that were the size of uh, standard car batteries. And lithium-ion has energy density is much higher than standard batteries, and I think they're much lighter. So I will be looking at that further, and we'll probably have another report in the next podcast because we're only halfway through the show. About the rest of it, yeah. As usual, there is other news. We're happy to say that the National Park Service is offering some free entry dates. Um, are they, they, are they trying they to promote year. visitors? Is that the motivation behind this, do you think? No, because the visitor traffic has been up as uh-huh. far as I know. But So the next one upcoming is Martin Luther King uh, weekend, January 15th through 17th. And then there will be a free week um, in Whoa. April 16th through 24th. Maybe some people will be having spring break then. First day of summer is another free entrance day, June 21st. National Public Lands Day, I never heard of that. September 24th and the weekend of Veterans Day. So if you're looking for a real bargain, uh, go out and enjoy one of our national parks on one of these free days. That's a nice... The national parks aren't that expensive to begin with, no. but, but it's a nice perk. And, of course, that's one that we already enjoy because we have a Golden Age Pass. We love the national parks. We love the national parks, yes. We also want to give a shout-out to something else that we don't know much about. Um, <laughs> apparent, because we're on the cutting edge. <laughs> apparently, there's a new um, TV station, but it's really well, not a TV station because you can only watch the shows on the Internet, called RVNN.TV. Actually, this is a collection of video shows. That are about, only on the web about, about RVing. RVing, yeah. And the the titles of the shows are kind of interesting. And well, it's being introduced on January fifteenth, which is the day this podcast comes out. So we we have not had a chance to preview it yet for you, but you can um, send us your thoughts when you preview it oh, for us. Excellent idea. And we'll hopefully by the next time we have ask the professor, ooh, Gadgetplex, 
Green RVing, History on Wheels, Just a Gypsy. So these are, I assume these will be kind of like video blogs, hmm. but I'm not sure. Capital RV Capital Talk, the RV Kitchen, RVing for Good, other interesting shows. I don't know exactly how this is going to work itself out. And I'm wondering, too, um, we love to watch TV over the Internet, but we mostly do it at home because at home we have a good Internet connection. Yeah, yeah. And campgrounds are doing better, but they're still sadly lacking in bandwidth. So I wonder how workable this will be well, for these people are, while they are camping. Yeah, it depends on the on the resolution. I assume they'll be low resolution so that uh, they will be available to most campers because we watched some YouTubes this morning and they, they worked fine. Mm-hmm. So over, over our satellite dish. Over, over our satellite dish. So that's rnn.tv. And we also want to mention that uh, I hope you haven't missed the 2011 RV show that was on Home and Garden. Which we have on tape, but we haven't had a chance to watch yet. <laughs> Too busy. Wait, did you catch the mistake? Of this? No, my mistake. Yeah, you we said... have it on tape. Oh, you, you, oh, okay. <laughs> it's a hard habit to break. It is. A try to say that we're recording things, not taping things. Yes, and it's on the hard drive. And that started January 1st, and I mentioned it in the last podcast, but uh, maybe you missed it because you were sleeping on January 1st, like us. Celebrating. Anyway, celebrating, yes. Certainly the cold temperatures that we've endured the last few yes. days and you've been enduring for months. Um, <laughs> and will be much more. Raise the issue of uh, living in an RV when the temperatures are low. And certainly uh, our circumstances have pr- improved in this regard because our current rig has thermal pane windows, has a little fan that goes from our um, furnace into our basement to keep our pipes unfrozen even when the temperatures go uh, below freezing. But we know with today's economy that there are a lot of people living in RVs that may not be as well designed for cold temperatures as ours, and dealing with the cold weather and keeping the water flowing can be a real challenge. Yes, uh, and heat tape is really the way to go, as far as I can tell. And you, sometimes you go to a campground and they have their water spigot wrapped in heat tape, but you need to take care of that inside your RV also. And the other thing Especially I remember, one campground had buckets over their spigots with yeah. light or bulbs have, in them to keep the right, or they generate have a, a little heat. B- beneath the the surface of the of the ground with a cover over them. Yeah, that was not one of the sites that we stopped at on the way down here. And certainly that's something that you need to pay attention to as you're traveling around the country because uh, you could have some uh, last-minute surprises. We also um, have friends who left their RV when it was still above Ooh. freezing and went on a nice long trip and came back, and Ooh, yes. they were not sure whether they should turn their tap on again or whether the water well, they would, found be, something frozen. would be yeah, yeah, their filter cracked. Yeah. So. so you really have to keep that in mind. Um, as, as and, and like, you know, you know, they they parked it in Georgia, so you'd think that that wouldn't have frozen. But of course, we've had some really cold temperatures, uh, and it's gotten twenty eight for us. And I think in Georgia, it even got colder. So. They had a problem. Those of you who uh, love to travel as much as we do might be familiar with the moon books, um, reference books like mm-hmm. Fodor's or Fromer's. Um, we have friends who use them religiously when they traveled through Mexico and found them very valuable. Uh-huh. And they have a, a website uh, with a lot of good information on it, including um, a blog where they are talking about the best places to travel in the United States and that's next year. Moon.com? Yes. 
And uh, they used kind of an interesting approach in this blog, uh, depending on what your intentions are. So, for example, they said if you are an art lover, the best place to go is Santa Fe, uh, which has so many um, art galleries and innovative um, approaches in the art world and the inspiration of the desert landscape. And I was surprised the best city for night owls is New Orleans, which New Orleans, is where, where we are headed. headed. Yes. Uh, so we're we're not night owls, but we'll see what we can take advantage of in Bourbon Street before our eyelids flutter. Uh, best place for history buffs, I would agree with this, is Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great museums. <clears throat> And their recommendation for the best place to camp is Smoky Mountains National Park. That surprised me. I mean, it's a lovely park, and there are nice things to do there, but for the best place in the country... Best place to camp? uh, I don't know. Give me a seashore. Best place for family vacations. uh, They listed Los Angeles, and certainly California has so many things to do. um, Theme parks and outdoorsy things. Um, Best place... Although the cruise industry there is dying. Yeah. Best place for roadside kitsch, they mentioned Amarillo, Texas, which is a town we just zoomed through. But I do remember it for the Big Texan Steakhouse, which features the 72-ounce steak. And I would think some places along Route 66. What was the town we were at uh, that was on Route 66? Would be very kitschy. I'm not sure, but certainly all along Route 66, um, you can buy a lot of... Tourist memorabilia. And lots of foreign visitors visit that. But we talked about that before. Best shopping destination, they said, is New York City, uh, which certainly is outstanding in a number of categories. Best romantic destination is Santa Barbara. So if you haven't got any plans for Valentine's Day, make yourself a reservation. (laughs) What's Santa Barbara? Gorgeous gorgeous beaches, year-round sunshine, picturesque Spanish-style architecture, and first-class resorts. That's probably why. Uh, Top bargain destination. I would agree with this is Branson, Missouri. Uh, The shows there are very economical, and they have them morning, noon, and night, so you can go to things as as (laughs) often as you can stand to go to them. And their um, campgrounds and their golf courses are more affordable as well. So it's a good family place to go. Yeah, but you got to like that kind of music. Yeah, which we don't, but a lot of people do. Uh, Best foodie destination, San Francisco. I would certainly say there are a lot of fine restaurants there. And probably the reason why I'm inspired to read this whole list to you is the ultimate big city experience. <laughs> the ultimate. Is our hometown, Chicago. Chicago. All right. Go Bears. <laughs> Did you just jinx them? I hope not. No. So take a look at the Moon website. You'll, you'll see a lot of good information on there. All right. Let's talk about something technology. Oh, let's. Oh, how about CES? A show you, I wish I was going to. You haven't I been there to. in years. I know. I'm not allowed to go out there. It's in Las Vegas at the beginning of January. And where am I? In Florida. Enjoying? Cold. And no technology. Well, I don't know. The CES is always a very interesting show, but I think this year it was not really uh, very innovative. My understanding is, is that uh, 3D TVs were kind of put on the back burner and they were shown along with 2D TVs, the regular TVs. And you have to understand that if you're thinking about a 3D TV... I don't see it. In the very near future, all TVs will be 3D. 
I don't see watching no. TV 3D. Yeah, well, if you buy a good 2D TV, it will do 3D TV. And they also introduced non-glasses 3D. That would help. I hate wearing glasses. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people are looking at 3D and saying, well, there was a lot of hype in the industry and about the doing are 3D. Expensive. And I don't think the I don't think the marketplace is supported. And it's a cart and a horse thing. There isn't much available to watch 3D, well, so why have a 3D TV? Yes, but I think it hasn't won much acclaim among among buyers. It feels but, more like a gimmick. But it's gonna, yeah. Well, and with the glasses, you can't do anything else. Who's going to sit down and? And are you going to buy a hundred fifty dollars set of glasses for your family of four, and then for four more people to come over to watch with you? And then your kids Give lose them break. in the couch, or you sit on them. And of course, the other thing that happened is is that there was this huge shadow of the iPad, which has now sold fifteen million devices, and nobody. Has has had anything to really compete with the iPad. It's been amazing that it has taken the industry so long to respond to such a popular device. And the iPad, though, now is spawning all sorts of uh, imitators uh, in the form of Android. So we're going to see some major competition for the iPad. It'll be very interesting to see how it goes. Uh, I'm not really... I like the iPad, and it's a great product, but uh, if Android comes out with a better one, well, we'll go with that. And what was the one that was... uh, that was best to show. How Zoom. do you pronounce that? X O O M from Motorola, and it has uh, it got best to show. If there's going to be an iPad killer, that's going to be it. But there are no apps for it, so I don't know what's going to actually happen. Verizon was there. They talked about having. They did not talk at CES, but immediately after CES, they talked about introducing the iPhone for Verizon. And I think we're anxious for this. Yeah, as you've heard from us before, we love our iPhones, but we have not been happy with the AT&T service. A lot of dropped calls. Feels kind of limiting. Yeah, and as we talk to people just around campgrounds like this, we hear them and they say, we say, oh, who's your carrier? And they say, oh, Verizon. And we have a Verizon data card. And we say, oh... We can't use the the iPhone on Verizon, but and the coverage isn't good yeah. for people like us who travel around. Yeah, a lot. and just just the other day we were at a park where we were looking at the manatees, manatees yeah. and people were talking on their phones, and I didn't even have service, not let alone three G. Frustrating. Yes. So Verizon introduced its G four service, which is going, which is data only, and. They later in, uh, in this past week have introduced the iPhone for their network. And so in February, lots of people will be making the change. And if you're looking to get an iPhone, this might be the opportunity for you to switch to a really good network. Hopefully they won't have the problems that our friends at AT&T had of over-promising and not delivering on, on the service. But who knows what will happen if they get thousands of new iPhone users uh, using tons and tons of data. And one of the things that promises to have is the Wi-Fi hotspot. Which and, sounds very exciting. Yes, this We can be... use one phone to service both of our computer needs. And the iPad. And one of the things that I, AT&T has tethering. <laughs> but but you can fake. only do one wire to I, one computer. It's a one wire. It's very one limiting. Computer. And you can't use it with the iPad, which is very limiting. And you don't get any extra data. And I think Verizon has used has allowed the droids to be hotspots, and they give uh, an unlimited amount of data. 
It's actually a viable hotspot, so you can hook up whatever device you want to via Wi-Fi. So this is going to be a big plus for those of you who are looking to connect your data because with one device you can have, and for just a little bit of extra money, I think uh, Verizon charges on the order of $25 a month extra for the data service. So for $25 a month, you get your computers hooked up to their network with uh, a decent data plan. So I suspect that you'll be hearing an uh, up-close-and-personal review really? of the Verizon iPhone just as soon as our current contract course, runs out. And, of course, it is an iPhone 4, not the iPhone 3, which we have, which is grossly outdated. Positively medieval. Mrs. RV Navigator doesn't have to upgrade if she doesn't want to. She can stick with her old phone if she wants to. Well, I don't like AT&T. Oh, okay. So yeah, I guess you'll have to upgrade along with, with me. I know it'll be tough, but we can do it. Uh, also, I saw a, a nice new case, which I just ordered this morning for the iPad, the Zag case for the iPad, which adds a keyboard in a case for the iPad. Very sleek looking and protective of the iPad. Yes. And makes typing on it practical. Actually, we actually saw one in, uh, in person last night. We had a nice dinner with a listener and had a very interesting technology conversation, and he outdid me because he was at CES and actually... How checked me? How could this possibly be? But it's a metal case that has a keyboard built in, and your iPad fits into that, so it covers up the glass, which is always something that's bothered me. So it's a very nice hard case for the iPad, but doesn't add much extra space to the iPad. So that's good. So that's our news about CES. From afar. From afar. But we'd like to hear more if you guys got some tidbits about CES that you know. We always depend on our listeners to come up with good topics. So please send us an email. And I hope I've gotten back to everybody. Uh, boy, I've had a tough time keeping up with all of the emails. Um, but I do enjoy doing the emails. But, and I don't mean to leave anybody out. But if you haven't gotten a message from me, please uh, resend Poke him it. again. Poke him again, right. Look at the dig site because I keep up with uh, all this technology stuff on our dig. So all you have to do is dig the RV Navigator and you will hear and read the stories that I'm looking at. Because I do try to keep that up, and I do several a day. I'm also reading. This is kind of off topic a little bit, but it is about technology. I'm He's also- reading a book. Ladies and well, gentlemen, well. you don't know how rare an event this is. I heard an interview uh, with Nick Bilton. Bilton who I've heard about before because he's the technology writer for the New York Times. And he has just written a new book, which I'm reading, but I'm reading, of course, on the Kindle because I bought it for 10 bucks. So that's a pretty good deal. And I can read it uh, digitally. So I'm, I'm half digital. You're so. reading a book, though. That's right. more remarkable. Okay. And it's called I Live in the Future and Here is How It Works. And it's not really, it doesn't mention anything about technologies or, you know, it doesn't promote any technologies. But it talks about how lifestyles change. And I think uh, one of the things that he found shocking was <laughs> he's a writer for the New York Times. And at some point uh, he was being interviewed and somebody asked him do you read the new york times and he said yes but i read it digitally and when he got back to the so he's a newspaper writer who doesn't read the newspaper and he went back to the office and took some flack for that and decided that this would be an interesting topic for a book 
And so he talks about technology's impact on our lives. And I think that uh, for us kind of older, elderly people, that it's something that we need to look at and, and get a perspective on. And I, he seems to have done a very nice job of, of uh, giving us that perspective on how technology is impacting and will impact your life. Because you can't get away from it, let's face it. And, and from the interview with him that I read, um, he made a point that I think is very valid that over the ages from the time that the printing yes. press was first yes. invented yes. to crank good. out the first book, yes. um, we seem as people to have this inherent hesitation and phobia about change and new ways of getting information. And we're always worried about the latest technology trend changing life as we know it. Yes. Um, now that we're all Twittering, uh, we won't talk to each other face-to-face anymore, and, and people tend to fear these developments. And, yes. and when you look at it historically, that's, I guess, the way we are. And it's something that you should be conscious of as you react to changes, especially as you become a geezer. This is exactly the point that, that's that's good to make, is, is that he goes back and historically looks at changes and gets quotes from newspapers and things. When they install telephones in everybody's houses that nobody would go outside, they would just call each other. And that there would be no human interaction face-to-face. And that this would cause a huge disruption in our society. The same claim was made for TV. And as a matter of fact, he, he even goes back to the printing press and says that, uh, the printing press was a huge disruptor of society, and one, of course, that we take very much for granted. Prior to that, books were very heavy and they could not be carried around in a pocket, and it could only be used by a few people. And that's how computers started, and that with the printing press and that with uh, small sizes of books now, you can actually carry one around, just like you can carry around your iPhone, which an iPhone is not really a phone, it's a computer. And so now you can carry around your computer, and how much more valuable that is to everybody, just like books were valuable to everybody when the printing press was invented. And certainly as I think back to six years ago before we started doing this podcast, we never would have dreamed that the technology has allowed us to get our thoughts out there in the ether and develop a network of friends and fellow travelers, um, which have very much enriched our lives. You never would have guessed that this would happen. Exactly. So uh, take a look, take a listen at that book. I'll put a link on, uh, on the webpage uh, so that you can find it. But if you're looking for it, it's Nick Bilton, B-I-L-T-O-N. I live in the future and here's how it works. No actual technology in the book, but he does call it a hybrid book. So that it has links in it, which he has more up-to-date information on the webpage so that you can uh, keep your book up-to-date. Often in our podcasts, we try to interject a note of humor, and our <laughs> humor this week comes from a, a fellow listener. Months. Wait, wait, are the, in this two weeks. Okay, and our humor for this podcast comes from a fellow listener who happens to be of the Jewish persuasion and put us onto a very humorous song called Jews Don't Camp. So we will end uh, this episode of the RV Navigator uh, with this wonderful song. Hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Uh, It is also uh, a YouTube video, um, but the videos are just still pictures, so I think the audio is sufficient to give you the gist of what it is. The flavor of it. Yes, Jews don't camp. Take it away. Well, I was packing my gear after a festival appearance. The show had gone real good. 
when a bunch of people with a kind of earthy smell said, we're staying out in those woods. They said, we'd like you to join us. There's plenty of room. We've got a nice big tent and there's a big full moon. I stood up wind and said the only thing that I could. Yeah, I had to tell them, Jews don't camp. If it hasn't got a lobby, I don't want it for a hobby. It's cold and damp. Let me give you the news. Jews don't camp. Well, now it's really quite simple. A part of my tradition taught to me in my youth. After 40 years in the desert, the 11th commandment says, go to bed under a roof. I'm pretty certain I could live without real bear hugs. Ain't keen to be cuisine for half a million bucks. And ten times out of ten, I pick bagels over berries and roots. That's why I gotta say, Jews don't camp. If it hasn't got a kitchen and it isn't air-conditioned, where's the exit ramp? Get my walk-in shoes, cause Jews don't camp. If I were a Gentile, I would love to fish and hunt and get my water from a stream. But until there's seltzer in the brook, or maybe a nice egg cream. Hey! Jews don't camp. Using leaves instead of charming, maybe fine if you're a Mormon, but I'm not that stamp, so I gotta refuse, cause Jews don't camp. La la la, oi la la la. Well, if your sleeping bag is tilting, you can call me at the Hilton, yeah, Jews don't camp. If you get tired of the diet, come and meet me at the Hyatt, babe, Jews don't camp. I got a giant television, it's a perk of circumcision, cause Jews don't camp. 